0: Welcome to the FBCLB podcast where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Linda and I are very, very, very thankful uh, to be back here at First Baptist Church. I gotta tell you, First Baptist Church means a lot to me for many reasons, uh, not the least of which is the fact that this is where my wife got saved. Uh, She was 19 years old, uh, and, uh, I'm not going to try to do the math, but, uh, she was 19 years old. She grew up, Linda was born over at St. Mary's and, uh, grew up over on, well, she grew up in a couple of different areas, but mainly over on Anaheim and Walnut, if you know that area. And, uh, she grew up in the eighties and the nineties living in that area. And, uh, she had a lot of, uh, interesting things that happened in her childhood living over in that area. And, uh, and she used to ride the church bus, uh, Pacific Baptist Church. Back then it was called Cambodian Baptist Church. Uh, she used to ride their church bus And uh, as I understand the story right They had to ask her to stop coming Because she was so mean She was kind of a bully Seriously, it's not even a, not even a joke She was a bully And, uh, and not a very well behaved kid um, And so uh, she heard the gospel Actually it was in those days That she first saw the love of Jesus um, And uh, where she grew up She didn't see a whole lot of love Where she grew up And um, those, you know She got older when she was 16 years old her dad kind of made a, kind of a quick decision. Just all of a sudden, hey, we're moving to Bakersfield. And when she was 16, they moved to Bakersfield. And she finished high school up there in Bakersfield. And uh, and then she ended up going to a community college up in Bakersfield, San Joaquin Community College. And she got a degree, I believe it was an associate's degree, to be a dental assistant. So if you wonder why her teeth are so bright, uh, yo. Know, if you haven't met her yet, just go, just go, shake her hand and ask her to smile. Make sure you got your sunglasses on first, uh, because she's got the most beautiful teeth and they're real. I mean, they're all real, okay. Now mine aren't. No, no kidding. Three of my front teeth are fake, okay, uh, but they're all real. Uh, but she graduated, got her. Uh, associate's degree to be a dental assistant and came down to Long Beach, moved back to Long Beach, was living with her grandmother up in North Long Beach. And uh, a friend of hers invited her to First Baptist Church and she came here and she heard the Gospel and it was at that time that she got saved and God changed her life big time. Matter of fact, the degree to which God changed her life, I'll, I'll, I'll stop telling uh, these stories here in just a second, but uh, I went to Bible college with a guy named Vot Mao Okay, some of you know Vought. raise your hand if you know, if you know Vaat now. Um, And I went to Bible college with him. He's Cambodian, grew up here in Long Beach, grew up at Pacific Baptist Church. Became pretty good friends with him in Bible college. And, uh, you know, we we graduated, I think we graduated the same year. He got married and then, uh, he actually got married before I did. But, you know, we kind of went our own different directions. And uh, a few years later, we, he got, he became friends with me on Facebook and he saw my picture with Linda. And he sent me a, a, a direct, a private message. And he said, hey, is your wife's name Linda? Is her, is her name Linda Paris?" And, uh, and I said, yeah. And I typed t- 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 him back said, yeah. He goes, you're kidding me. Is she saved now? <laughs> and I said, yeah, she got saved. She got saved. He couldn't believe it. Because back in the day, when they were going to middle school together, Linda was a part of the just a rough group. You know, they were all into that, you know, the Cambodian pride and all that kind of stuff. And and Vat was a Christian, a Cambodian Christian, and they persecuted him. I mean, they they gave him all kinds of bad times. I mean, we're just really, really mean to him. And my wife was one of the meanest ones to him. So all these years later, he sees his buddy from Bible college married to this girl that used to give him a hard time for being a Christian. And he said, Linda's saved now. I mean, he, he couldn't have, it was the furthest thing from his mind that that, that that girl that was so mean to him would get saved and become a missionary's wife and an assistant pastor's wife. But you know, that's the power of the gospel, amen? And uh, i tell you what, we love First Baptist Church. We love you so much. Uh, for those of you that we don't know yet, um, we're really looking forward to getting to know you and serving the Lord together. I am so excited and I thank God that he brought us back here uh, 10 years after we left. And uh, God gave us four Great years in Cambodia, and uh, God, in His sovereignty, closed the door there for us. Uh, but He brought us back here. There, there's a few Cambodians here in Long Beach, you know, and uh, and uh, this past these past couple of Saturdays, I got to go soul soul winning with Pastor Nitsay, and uh, last week with uh, with uh, my good friend. Uh, Mr. Soytee back here, and and uh, these past couple of Saturdays, I've been able to speak more Khmer, uh than I've been able to speak over the past five years since we've been back in the states, and it's been a, re- a real blessing. And uh, prior to coming here, uh, God allowed us to go and serve on the serve at the church where actually Lynn and I we were actually met and we were married McKee Road Baptist Church in Bakersfield, California, and uh, God gave us four four and a half uh, years, and I was the the youth pastor there, the song leader there, uh, the the principal of the, we had a small Christian school. Uh, uh, there. And I uh, was able to work in that Christian school as the principal. Um, and so just uh, thank God that uh, even though He brought us back from Cambodia, He still saw fit to use us in some capacity. And I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity. You know, I thank God that He doesn't just save us. He saves us. And whether or not you are in a full-time ministry position or not, uh, God wants to use us. He wants us to serve Him. And uh, the, the, the time that, he, that we have on this earth is so short, isn't it? And uh, you know, I don't know about you. I don't know about you. But when it comes time, when when the day comes that it's time for me to draw my last breath, I want to be able to look back on my life and be able to say, not say, "Boy, I wish I had." Boy, I wish I had served God. But I want to be able to say, "Boy, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did." Now I'll, I'll have my trust me. I'll have my fair share of regrets, but I don't want to have the regret of. Having wasted the short life, the, 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 the few years that we have on this earth. So with all that being said, turn if you would to Psalm 83. Psalm 83. And uh, be honest with you, I've never preached out of Psalm 83. Uh, Pastor is going through the book of Psalms. I don't know how long he's been going through the book of Psalms. Probably for a while. Maybe somebody can tell me. Has it been for more than a year that he's been going through the book of Psalms on Wednesday nights? Has it been two years okay and I got to tell you um, I'm thankful to be in a church where God's word is being preached the way it's being preached verse by verse, book by book verse by verse, line upon line precept upon precept and uh, you know this may be uh, just to be transparent with you uh, sometimes we we as preachers or teachers of the Bible, there, there are some passages that are just harder to preach and, and they're, they're, if we're not careful, there can be a, there can be a tendency to look at some, maybe some of the, the harder passages and say, I'll deal with that one later. But the, the method that we have here at First Baptist Church of going chapter by chapter, book by book is that we come to these passages and we deal with them and we, we dig into them. And uh, I, how many were here last week when pastor preached out of Psalm 82? Raise your hand. I was here and I got to tell you I cannot remember a time and this is by 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 no means is there a, is this a criticism of any of my former pastors because I thank God for all of my former pastors but I'm just saying I can't remember any pastor that I've ever been under preaching from Psalm 82. Now maybe they did and I was just a teenager writing notes to some person, I don't know. But that was the first message that I can remember hearing a pastor dive into Psalm 82. So uh, I want to encourage you if you're visiting tonight Make sure you come back on Sunday, and make sure you come back next, next Wednesday so you can hear uh, Pastor Delaney preach, our senior pastor here. Uh, I, I feel bad that you have to, you're you kind of stuck with me tonight, but we're going to do the best we can tonight. Psalm 83, and, uh, and I would like to just go ahead and read through the entire uh, uh, chapter. So as is the custom here, if we would go ahead and stand out of respect uh, for the Word of God. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read through these verses. Um. Somebody, just you can just raise your hand and give me the answer from the floor. Uh, how many can you can tell me based on what pastor has gone over? Uh, I'm sure many Wednesday nights. What is one way that we can get the context of a psalm? Anybody tell me? Yeah, yes, sir. Right back over here. Right, you read the first verse. And the last verse, and the, the first verse and the last verse serve as bookends to give the, 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 the greater context of the psalm. Okay, so as I read out loud, I would encourage you to read silently and, uh, and take note of the first verse and take note of the last verse. Okay, so here we go, Psalm 83. Keep not thou silence, O God, hold not thy peace, and be not still, O God. For lo, thine enemies make a tumult, and they hate thee. They that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation, uh, that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. For they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee. Notice they're, they're plotting the enemies of of. Of Israel are plotting against Israel but really this is uh, Asaph says this is an attack against you God so God I'm asking you don't be silent right now don't be silent because there are those that are persecuting us they're persecuting you verse number six that the tabernacles of Eden Edom uh, and the Ishmaelites and of Moab and the uh, Hagarens verse seven Gebel and Ammon and Amalek, the Philistines with the inhabitants of Tyre. Uh, Aser is also joined with them. They have hope in the children of Lot, Selah. Do unto them as unto the Midianites, as to Sisera, as to Jabin at the brook of Kisan, which perished at Endor when they, uh, they, they became as dung for the earth. Make their nobles like Oreb and, and like uh, Zeb. Uh, yea, all their princes of Zeba, um, uh, and as uh, Zalmunna, uh, who said, "Let us take to ourselves the houses of God in possession. Oh my God, make them like a wheel." Really, it kind of has the idea of a of a whirlwind of like dust is what that's kind of referring to. As the stubble before the wind, as the fire burneth a wood, and as the flame setteth the mountains on fire, so persecute them with thy tempest and make them afraid with thy storm. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek thy name, O Lord. Let them be confounded and troubled forever. Yea, let them be put to shame and perish that men may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art the Most High over all the earth. Let's pray. God, I pray, Lord, that you give me wisdom. Uh, Lord, where, where I am uh, in need, where I am in lack of wisdom of this passage, God, tonight, uh, Lord, would you, would you supply that wisdom that I need tonight? And uh, God, help me. Help us to, to rightly divide the, the Word of God tonight. And uh, may, it, may, it, may it minister to hearts tonight, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I want to speak just for a few minutes out of this passage on this topic, a gospel-centered, imprecatory prayer. A gospel-centered, imprecatory prayer. If you don't know what an imprecatory prayer is, an imprecatory prayer, we see these, there are several in the book of Psalms. An imprecatory prayer is basically a prayer of the psalmist to God that God would execute judgment On the enemies of God, on the enemies of Israel. That's called an imprecatory prayer. And tonight I wanna talk to you about a gospel centered imprecatory prayer. A gospel centered imprecatory prayer. Look back at verse one. I wanna read the first verse and the last verse, then we're gonna dive into this. It says, Keep not thou silence, O God, hold not thy peace, and be not still, O God. Now go down to the last verse. That men may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art the most high over all the earth. That thou, th- uh, that, that men may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art the most high over all the earth. How is how a Christian in 2019, when we come to a passage like this, how do we take a, 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 a passage like this and apply it to our lives. I mean, we look at it and we look at the first few verses and it's kind of a, a general prayer request. It says, keep not thou silence, O God, hold not thy peace and be not still, O God. For lo, thine enemies make a tumult. They're stirring things up. And they that hate thee have lifted up the head. Uh, they have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation. Uh, let, uh, that the name of Israel may, may be no more in remembrance. So basically what's happened, you've got 10 a confederacy of 10 nations and and those nations are listed in verses 6, 7, and 8. And they have come together in unity for the sole purpose, not just to attack Israel, not just to give Israel a hard time, but to literally eradicate Israel off the face of the earth. Okay. So a couple of things to think about as we're, as we're thinking about this, some Christians read a Psalm like this and they, and they almost have thoughts like, man, how, how does this apply to me? This doesn't seem to fall in line with a prayer that, that as a Christian should be praying in 2019. I mean, this is a, an actual call for judgment against the enemies of God. Can, can I pray that? Can I pray that? And tonight, I want to, hopefully by the end of the night, we'll have a better, clearer understanding and, and an answer uh, to that question. But a couple of things that I want us to consider tonight, as we think about this imprecatory prayer in Psalm 83, a couple of things I want us to think about. This was an attack against God's plan, okay? The children of Israel, okay, we've got the the 10 northern tribes of Israel, the 10 southern tribes of Judah. These were God's chosen people, but don't, don't, don't misunderstand that. Don't misunderstand that. God doesn't, God doesn't just pick a group of people and just say, I'm just going to bless these people because they're my favorite. I, no, turn back to Genesis 12 if you would. Go back to Genesis chapter 12. Why is Asaph, by the way, this is the last psalm of Asaph in the book of Psalms. Psalm 83 is the last psalm of Asaph. Asaph was, he was one of the main, he was a Levite. He was one of the main music directors uh, in Israel there. Okay, and this is the last psalm that, he, that, that we see him write. Look at Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 is what we call the Abrahamic covenant. And the reason we're going here is because I want us to understand that when these, this confederacy of 10 nations that have, that have raised their, their head against Israel, okay, this, this is not just some conflict with some countries in the Middle East. This is, this is dealing with, this has eternal consequences, okay? If these nations succeed over Israel, it has eternal implications, okay? And that's why we see this, this strong and, 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 and rather harsh prayer. God, deal with them. Deal with them. But i got to tell you right now, when we come to one of the end, I believe it's verse 16, there's an unexpected turn. And we're going to deal with that in just a few minutes. And, and that unexpected turn kind of helps us understand how we should pray, okay? But look at Genesis chapter 12. Look at Genesis 12. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee and I will make of thee a great nation. Okay, talking about Israel. And I will bless thee. Okay, yeah, he's gonna bless Israel, right? And make thy name great. But look at this. Can we read these next five words here together out loud? Ready, go. And thou shalt be a blessing. Look at verse 3. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. And look at the end of verse 3. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Okay? Ultimately, how is that verse fulfilled? That verse is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's how of the seed of Abraham there would come one, And through him, through the Messiah, all the families of the earth would be blessed. So the Old Testament is not just about Israel, although it does speak a lot about Israel. But it's not just for Israel, for Israel's sake. God was giving this covenant to Israel, not so that they would just become wealthy and powerful. No, no, no. But that through them they would, in the Old Testament, and they failed at this many times, that they would be a testimony to the nations around them, okay? But that ultimately through the line of Abraham, through Abraham's seed, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ would come. Okay, so this this confederacy of ten nations raising its ugly head against, against Israel... This is not just an attack on just some group of people. No, 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 no. This, who were they messing with? They were messing with the people that God was going to use to bring about the Messiah. Okay? And that's, that, that accounts for the seriousness of the prayer. And this is actually an attack against God Himself. Now, I want you to look back at Psalm 83. And uh, we're going to kind of, for sake of time, we see this general, in the beginning, this, this general cry, God, don't be silent. And I, one, one interesting, interesting thing about it is, is that he's not saying, he's not trying to appeal to some man or to some human. No, he's going to God because he realizes, God, if you don't move in this situation, we're we are done. It, it, he had a, a complete dependence upon God. I, I wonder how many of us, I, I got to tell you, to be transparent with you. Our prayerlessness, my prayerlessness, you know, we we think about our sins, right? Oh, I don't, you know, I don't do the really bad things. You know, we think about the sin of prayerlessness. What is prayerlessness actually saying? Prayerlessness is basically saying, I got this. I can do this. I can do this. You know, I've had too many times in my life, I've had too many times in my life where I thought, you know, it's a day off. You wake up on your day off, and, you, and, and I don't know if you're like you, if you're like you uh, or if you're like me, uh, sometimes on my day off I get spiritually lazy. Anybody else be bold enough to admit that? I, I can sometimes get spiritually lazy, and, uh, and I might, you know, okay Lord, thank you God, just be with me today, thank you. God, yeah. It's my day off, it's going to relax, might go to the grocery store. You're not thinking that anything big is going to happen, right? We're walking depending upon our own selves, When all of a sudden, any number of things can happen on any given day, even on your day off. You know, you can go to the grocery grocery store and somebody pulls into your spot right when you're getting ready to take it. And you know what? If you're walking in the power of your flesh, and I've done this many times, and I, you can really ruin your testimony because you weren't depending upon God, even on the little off days I, I've had to learn the hard way, hard way that there there are no off days. I remember one day, this has been a long time ago. so back. Get this, I was on deputation. I was a missionary on deputation, you know. And uh, and and I'm I, we're in Loganville, Georgia, where my mom and dad live. And I was going to Walmart, and I'm taking a left, and I had to cross over uh, three lanes of traffic of Highway 78, and I'm taking a left. The people that are taking a right into Walmart, they had the yield sign. They had the yield sign. So I had the right of way, and I'm taking this left, and this older gentleman didn't even how dare he didn't even acknowledge that I was there. I mean totally I've been sarcastic, cut, cut, his, cut me off, almost caused an accident, caused an accident, and I laid on the horn And you know what? I'll be honest with you, I hadn't prayed that day, you know now I, w- I mean I wasn't going out saying, you know I wasn't involved in any kind of you know, gross sin of any kind that, I, that I'm aware of but the sin of prayerlessness, the sin of being dependent upon myself was present in my life. Not only did I lay the horn on him, but oh, I got really mad. I got really mad. And I watched where he parked and I, I waited till he was parked and crossing, you know, that, that, that part of where you have to cross the traffic to get into the store, you know. And I pulled up right as he was getting ready to cross and I rolled my window down and I said, hey, you know, you got the yield sign. And you know what he did? Boy, God has a way of humbling us, doesn't he? He looked at me and he goes, I'm so sorry. I'm I'm sorry. And I was like, I mean, I wanted him to yell back at me. You know, I wanted to, and he just, and I went, oh, man, what in the world? I just totally blew it. I hope, you know. I hope I never have to see him again because I'm embarrassed. I wouldn't want him to know that I'm a missionary. I wouldn't want him to know where I go to church just because I'm, I'm so embarrassed of how I acted. You know, Asaph, it sh- this shows this, this dependence upon, upon God. God, we, we, we need you. There, there's this, there is this problem that's, that's, that's happening and this is an issue that we can't deal with. And you know, we make a mistake a lot of times. This is how we make our mistake. We categorize our problems. We categorize our problems and say, here's the problems that I can deal with in my own flesh, and here's the problems that I need God's help. When the truth is, I need God's help, help to wake up and tie my shoes every day and just to go to the store and be able to have a good testimony. Don't, may we not make the mistake of thinking that we can somehow be self sufficient. He didn't do that. The next few verses go into detail about who this confederation of ten nations is comprised of. And for sake of time you can, you can read through those and you can reference those back uh, to different Old Testament stories. One of the stories he says deal with them like you dealt with the Midianites. Remember the story of Gideon and uh, how Gideon started off, I think it was 30,000, and then they, he said, no, that's too many. I mean, they were already outnumbered by the Midianites, you know. And he said, no, we need, you know, we need to uh, tell everybody, whoever's afraid and fearful, go ahead and go on home. And a, and a big chunk of them went back home, and, and he said, okay, now the, uh, you're still too much. You're still too big. If you get the victory, you'll still think that you did it. Okay, Gideon? All right, so, so now, you know, go take these, take your soldiers down to the brook and, you know, whoever puts their head all the way down uh, into the water, uh, you know, uh, go ahead and send them home. Whoever brings it up with their hand and brings it up uh, f- f- with their hand up to their mouth, those are gonna be the ones and there's 300 that are left. Remember that story? Okay, and then he says, now, now get this, all right? This is how you're gonna beat them, right? <laughs> you know, you're gonna have trumpets, right? And you're gonna have like a little torch with a clay pot over it. What? <laughs> you know? And you remember how how all that works. They they surrounded them, and they shout out, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, and they break those pots, and the Midianites thought they were surrounded, and the Midianites just kind of destroyed themselves. That's pretty, to say, God, deal with these like you dealt with the Midianites, that's a pretty strong prayer, pretty strong prayer. This is That imprecatory prayer that that we were talking about a few minutes ago where the psalmist Asaph is actually saying, God, bring judgment upon them, bring judgment upon them. But this is what I want us to see. Look at verse 16. Because in verse 16 it takes an unexpected turn. Verse 16, fill there. Now who's the there? What is the antecedent of the pronoun there? isn't this kind of, kind of strange? He just got done praying for God's judgment to fall upon them. But then this is what he prays. He says, fill their faces with shame that they may seek thy name, O Lord. That they may seek thy name. You know, one commentator said this, Asaph understood what we often forget that people will often only seek the Lord if they are first laid low before His power. There is a sense in which God must defeat us before He will save us. Another commentator said it this way, there's a deeper desire in the psalmist's heart than the enemy's destruction. He wishes that they should be turned into God's friends and He wishes for them chastisement as a means to that end. He wishes for their chastisement as a means to that end. The, the main thought tonight is a gospel-centered <laughs> imprecatory prayer. How can we pray that? How many believe tonight that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for correction, okay, for instruction in righteousness, for a proof, God got this out of order, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished into all good works. I, raise your hand if you believe that. I believe that. I believe that. How many, how many of you believe that God gave us the Psalms as a, as a way that we can pray, even as New Testament Christians? I, I believe that with all my heart. Uh, matter of fact, I just got a book uh, by Donald Whitney Uh, a while back, called Praying the Psalms, how you can actually pray the book of Psalms because these were inspired prayers. Some of them inspired songs, some of them inspired prayers. How do we deal with this? How, How as a Christian do we deal with the enemies of God in our present day? Can we pray, Lord, deal with them? God, stop them. Now, a couple of things I want you to see in this psalm and we're going to close. First of all, I have have five minutes left. First of all, I want you to see that the motive for this this prayer, the motive for the prayer was that, and you see it in verse 18, that men may know that thou whose name alone is Jehovah. You know, sometimes we pray this way. God, deal with these, these bad people out there so that you know, so that we can, so that we can be comfortable, you know, so that we, so that we can have a good name for ourselves or so that we can have this or so that we can have that. What is it? We can name all these horrible sins, but what is the root sin at the bottom of all of it? What is it? Pride, right? Pride. God, destroy their pride. Pride destroy their pride. God, do whatever you got to do, Lord, to humble them because the truth is, hey, not one of us in this room got saved until we humbled ourselves and said, God, I'm a sinner. I recognize that my sin is against you. You're holy. I'm not. And I need your grace. Hey, we never would have come to God asking for his grace, asking for his forgiveness had we not first been humbled by the work of the Holy Spirit. And maybe, maybe there's some of us tonight that God, maybe it's one point you were on the other side, on the wrong side of God's judgment, on the wrong side of that judgment. And maybe there, there's some tonight that were very overt and, and, and vocal in, in, in our opposition to God. And maybe God had to really turn your world upside down before you got on your face before God. And came to him for salvation. We see that in this psalm. But I also believe that we can pray like Asaph did. And I don't, I don't totally understand this. But I believe that we can pray prayers like, God, only you know the hearts of men. You know the hearts of men. God, my my first in, in prayer, because the Bible says in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3, that it says this. Who will, speaking of God, who will have all men to be saved? That word, that means, it literally means that his desire, uh, 2 Peter says that he is long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That all should come to repentance. That all should come to repentance. Can I ask you a question tonight? Is everyone going to come to repentance? Yes or no? Sadly, no. Let me ask you another question tonight. Are there those, and I don't know their heart and you don't know their heart. Are there those who in this lifetime will dedicate their very lives and will on purpose, and I believe there is a line that can be crossed. I believe that there is a line that can be crossed where, where somebody turns away the Holy Spirit and turns away the Holy Spirit and rejects the Holy Spirit and hardens their heart and hardens their heart and hardens their heart. Will there be those that do that and do not ever get saved even though God wants them to get saved? Yes, there are. Sadly, sadly, there are. we pray for them to get saved God save them save them but God only you know their heart only you know their heart if they are trying to overthrow what you're trying to do in this world God my first prayer is that you would save them because I, I, I was your enemy too I'm not better than they are I'm not more, I'm not more righteous than they are my righteousness are as filthy rags but God if they are determined to try to overthrow what you're trying to do what you're trying to accomplish in this earth God deal with them God deal with them in a way that only you can God deal with them I believe we can pray that prayer tonight with a, gospel, in a gospel-centered motive, not out of a heart of pride, but we can pray. You know, I think this kind of goes along in the book of Matthew. You know, the end of the psalm here says that men may know thou, uh, that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah. In the Lord's Prayer, what is one of the first parts of that? Our Father which art in heaven, what does it say? Hallowed be thy name, right? Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So as we pray, I would encourage you tonight for those that are the enemies of the gospel, I would encourage us tonight as a church family, first of all, pray that they would first be saved. You know, if there's something in our hearts that says, I don't want them to get saved. I don't want them to get saved. You remember, that's kind of like Jonah, right? Remember Jonah? God sent Jonah to Nineveh. Hey, go preach the gospel. Boy, Jonah was mad and pouted when those people got saved. That should not be our heart. Our heart should be the heart of God that everybody, you know, there's another verse in the Old Testament that says this. It says that that God does not delight in the death of the wicked. God doesn't delight in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked would turn from his evil ways and would seek the Lord. That's the heart of God. The reality, though, is that there will be those, there will be those who harden their hearts and say no. And they make it. And they say, I am, I exist for the purpose of trying to overthrow whatever God is doing. And Asaph prayed. He said, God, hey, fill their face with shame that they, may, that they may seek you and that they may know you. But almost in the same breath, he's saying, God, Don't let them succeed in their rebellion against you. Don't let them, don't let their efforts succeed. And I believe this is a model prayer that we can take tonight, a gospel-centered imprecatory prayer.